Heather, this is really exciting. We're going to try something completely new today. We're going to be answering questions from listeners. Let's get started. This is Podgressive South. I'm Will Lockamy. I'm Heather Milam. All right. So something new. Here we go. Um, we're going to talk about lots of issues today. Still kind of in a short format, but basically you, the listener, sent in questions. Uh, we're going to answer those. They're serious. They're not serious. They're fun. They're sad. They're interesting. Complicated. And uh, surprise, Heather, I have questions for you. I wasn't prepared for that. I, I know. You're not. That's the whole point. It had better be something like, what's your favorite color? Um, you'll find out. <laughs> okay. All right. So first of all, this is something that we plan on doing a lot of. So you guys should be reaching out to us. You can do that by tweeting at PodSouth, at Will Lockme, or at Heather Milam. Ask us anything, and we're going to routinely answer those questions, um, just like this one that came into us from at Bitter Old Punk. Uh, that's a scary name right there. I I follow this guy. I presume he's a guy. I have been wanting to know who his identity is for years. You don't think a a bitter old punk could be a lady? Could be. Could be. But the avatar photo is a guy. I don't know. All right. um, It says, here's my question. The Alabama state constitution is a bloated, shameful, racist mess. (laughs) He's not wrong. (laughs) Designed to suit the whims of the white landowners of 1901. What would it take to replace it? And how can we make sure the current or future legislature wouldn't barf up something even worse? I don't like the word barf, by the way. I don't like that word, but I understand what he is trying to say. Yeah, I'm going to let you handle this one. Okay, well... So those are good questions. Thank you, Bitter Old Punk. Okay, there, there's basically two ways to change the Constitution here in the state of Alabama. But I want to start with a bit of historical information to kind of help us understand what the document is and how we got to where it is um, today. The 1901 Constitution formally established white supremacy. So he's not wrong. I mean, that was clearly stated within the document of the Constitution. And interestingly enough, because we were such an agricultural state, and given the economic system at the time in 1901, Alabama was insolvent. We were not able to maintain our financial stability. So there was a lot going on at the time. But it was such a poorly written constitution that just 14 short years later, then Governor Emmett O'Neill had already begun to recognize the ineptitudes of that constitution and asked for a new one. So in 1915, just 14 years after the constitution having been created, you had a a governor of Alabama asking for a new one. It happened again with Governor Thomas Kilby in 1923. This was one of his quotes, which I found really interesting. Much progressive legislation, badly needed and greatly desired, has been restrained because of the Constitution. Then in 1968, Governor Albert Brewer asked for constitutional reform. In fact, requesting the legislature uh, to establish the Alabama Constitution Revision Commission, which did happen, and they made recommendations, and guess what that was? What? A brand new constitution. Mm. But guess what the legislature didn't do? Oh, oh what? <laughs> Allow for a vote for a brand new constitution. So how do we get a new constitution in the state of Alabama? Basically, there are two ways. The first way to get a new constitution in Alabama is revision by amendment. What does this mean? The legislature presents an entirely new constitution, by proposing amendments on an article-by-article basis. 
and then allowing voters to approve or disapprove on an article by article basis. We kind of do that now when we vote on amendments like we did last year. There were four amendments on the ballot or four amendments that were approved. This is a process we're familiar with, but there are over 930 amendments to the Constitution. I was about to say that. I just looked it up. Yeah, that's crazy. I would have uh, said that as a joke. But turns out that's real. <laughs> that's real. Over 930. Yeah. we Yeah. There were 928 at the beginning of 2018, and we added four more <laughs> last election. So we could go by an article-by-article article basis, but really the potential of having just as long of a constitution is out there. The second way, and the more preferred way, is the revision by constitutional convention. Now, how does that happen? Well, the legislature would pass a bill or a resolution allowing the voters of Alabama to vote for or against having a constitutional convention. And if we as a state say, yes, we do want a constitutional convention, we then will vote for delegates in a subsequent election that will then convene and they'll nominate officers and they'll begin rewriting the Constitution. So all of this boils down to the one point in our government in Alabama that is limiting our ability to get a new constitution is the Alabama legislature. All the power sits in their hands. I like how you actually did research for this. I just, <laughs> I plan on coming in here and just completely winging it. Uh, hmm, all right, great. Well, I get emails from this group called the um, Alabama uh, Citizens for Constitutional Reform. Yeah. And they've been pushing, they push for amendments, but they've been pushing for a constitutional convention for years. I, they're like bumper stickers on yeah. people's cars about this all over the place. Um, yeah, so at Bitter Old Punk, I don't know how old you are, but uh, the answer is not in your lifetime. <laughs> well, I, I have a little bit more hope than that. I think if we, if we change the legislature and you change Alabama, bottom line, change the legislature, you change Alabama. And look, Virginia just did it two years ago or last year. You know, they had a big progressive sort of overhaul of their legislature there. And, um, you know, there's no reason we couldn't think we could do that here in Alabama. So maintain hope and hope for a constitutional convention. <laughs> All right. Here's a question from at Will Lockamy to at Heather Milam. When you were young, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? A meteorologist. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that about you. Oh, yeah. You I'm- like the weather? I do love the weather. My dad used to take us out into the carport and we watched thunderstorms and count the sound between lightning and the thunder. Yeah. So I was always kind of obsessed with it, but it fizzled out in high school. Um, Heather, Elvis or the Beatles? Oh, Elvis. What? Yeah. Did you know that he didn't write a song? Like out of his 600 songs he recorded, he did not write one of them. Okay. Do you want to hear one of the most unpopular opinions I have? What? I am not a fan of the Beatles. And we're done. <laughs> I know. I'm so, so sorry, except that I'm not. I, I just, it's just not, not my jam. And that's okay. Look, I appreciate their artistic uh, influence. We're trying to gain listeners here, <laughs> Heather, not push people away. Okay. Hey, Heather, how many push-ups can you do? <laughs> At once. Do you want me to show you right now? Yep. No. <laughs> how many could you, do you think you could do consecutively? I could probably do 10. 10. How many can you do? I don't know. I guess 50. Sure. Can you do a pull-up? Yeah, but not many. Pull-ups are one of those things, if you don't do them all the time, even if you work out the rest of your body, you really just can't. You have to actually do that thing to be able to do it. So I don't know. I bet I could do seven or eight. I've never. Where you just hang straight down and go. I've never been able to do a pull-up. This CrossFit thing they do, the kipping, it's cheating. Oh, see. Where they swing. I knew they were cheating. There's no way. (laughs) There's no way. Yeah. (laughs) 
All right, here's another question. It comes in from at Jacob M underscore AL. Uh, Jacob says, who's your favorite Democratic presidential candidate and why is it not at Mike Gravel? Um, okay, I'll tell you, I don't really know who Mike Gravel is. <laughs> now, is that my problem or is it the fact that there are like 1,800 people running? I think point? it's both. Okay, so what's the deal? Who is Mike Gravel? So Mike Gravel's from Alaska. He is a legislator from Alaska. He's he's older. Uh, he was on the debate stage with Hillary Clinton, uh, Barack Obama, Joe Biden back in 2008 or seven. Uh, so he's he's been around the block. Um, he's got a very creepy video <laughs> pinned to the top of his Twitter page. I think really what he is, I mean, I, I, not a viable candidate, but one who's just trying to push his agenda and Godspeed. I'm all for people getting sure. into the race to push a narrative or push the debate into a direction that they feel the Democrats should go into. Yeah, I don't mind there being 1,800 people um, in the race at this point, because I think, look, it's showing the excitement that, uh, you know, that party has at this moment, and I think that's a yeah, good thing. and a lot of ideas. Yeah, okay, so let's talk about who, who are you pulling for at this point? I, well, I've done some research, and here's what I will say. The short answer is I haven't decided, and we are still so early in the process. Eric Swalwell just got into the race last week. Um, we have no idea how this is going to shift the narrative, shift the polling. What we do know, that one of the more recent uh, polls that came out, the Monmouth poll, which has an A-plus rating by 538, um, they did their Iowa 2020 poll. Biden and Bernie Sanders are still polling quite high. But interestingly, Bernie Sanders continues to have a high disapproval rating or unlikable. This whole likable, unlikable, approval, disapproval. He's got a high disapproval and likability factor. It's because he's a millionaire. Millionaires are hard to... And he still like. hasn't released his taxes. <laughs> What that was a funny thing to find out that he was a millionaire. Well, are you not, surprised? No, no, not at all. And I yeah. don't think it's a big deal either. It's just, no. uh, yeah, it's funny. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I will say something perhaps unpopular with some people. I am not, a, I appreciate Bernie Sanders being in the race uh, four years ago or two years ago. Um, I appreciate him pushing the political debate to the left because that's what he's passionate about. Um, and we need those people in the conversation. I don't I hope he's not our candidate, um, but that sounds negative. If he is, I will fully support him. But I've got, like you said, eighteen hundred candidates to choose from. <laughs> so I have a, we have a lot of great candidates. Um, I think at this point, Joe Biden has waited so long; it's sucking the air out of the room. And I don't. I think at this point, he's delivering sort of a negative return on his his investment. And I don't know if he's just doing it to play with the Republicans, kind of, you know teasing them a little bit that I may get in, I may not, I don't know. And ideally what he will do is once we start having a leader in the Democratic Party, he'll immediately throw his support behind them. But my top three. Okay, and here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and in no particular order. So I'm going in alphabetical order. I really like Kamala Harris. I really like her. She's a former prosecutor, former AG of California. She is the current senator. She's not accepting money from corporate PACs. She's a big proponent for dreamers, for health care. She's got a good sense of humor. Um, she loves dogs, which I'm <laughs> a big fan of. I almost spit out my coffee there. <laughs> that that's one of the uh, qualifying factors. Well, they had pets in her office on National Pet Day. I was very happy about that. And I've seen a few videos of her interacting with animals, and she's really sweet. She's got funny remarks. Someone asked her this week, are you an Obama Democrat? And her response was, no, I'm Kamala. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, I like yeah. that. Yeah, she's quick and quippy and 
she's smart and she has exhibited enormous poise in congressional hearings. I have a great deal of faith that with her in the Oval Office, it will run efficiently and people in California really love her. Um, I really like Kirsten Gillibrand. Her platform is very clear. The issues and the policies and where she stands is stated on her website. Uh, She has a very strong stance against the NRA, but she's been very vocal about her evolution of how she was pro-gun within her district there in New York, but how meeting people and understanding constituents' challenges with deaths in their family and violence and suicide, she's really changed her perspective on you know, gun legislation. And I think that that's a real sign of a real leader is admitting when you may have gotten something wrong. And then my third, only alphabetically, is Elizabeth Warren. I really like her, too. She is a policy wonk. I mean, you want to put a nerd in the White House, put Elizabeth Warren in the White House. And if you go to her website and if you hear hear her speak, she's, she's so clear about policies. And that's what she's done her whole life. I mean, she's a legal scholar. She's been appointed to multiple positions in D.C. long before she was elected to now she's senior senator of Massachusetts. But in 95, she was advocating on behalf of consumers against big banks, big, big companies that were taking advantage of consumers. 2008, then Senator Harry Reid appointed Warren to chair the Congressional Oversight Panel. Of course, President Barack Obama appointed her, named her the assistant to the president and advisor to the secretary of the treasurer, treasury, excuse me. So she's big on corruption, big on criminal justice reform. And no doubt she has the brains behind implementing really good policies. And, you know, she's also spry. Did you see her running through the train station? No. And not at all out of breath for a train. Something. Yeah. And she is, you know, she likes beer, too. So. (laughs) See, I, I felt like that, that was. I'll have to say this. I like her. I felt like that beer thing was a bit contrived. Eh. The whole like, pass me that beer. Look <laughs> at me. I'm an American. Right? It's, I don't know. She's don't know. kooky. She's. I do. I mean, I lovingly call her a nerd. I cringed when that beer thing happened because I was like, oh, really? Yeah. It just looks so planned in the whole. Well, there's going to be a little bit of that with I know, everybody. Sure. And then I don't know. I like Eric Swalwell. He's only 38. He's still young. Um, I. Pete Buttigieg is even younger at 37. Uh, what do you think about him? Well, let me give you my top. Uh, oh, so you you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, first of all, I'll just say I love uh, seeing the list here that you sent. Uh, John Mulaney running. He is funny. He is uh, <laughs> one of my favorite comedians. I think he'd make a... Well, that says John Delaney. Who's Delaney. that? <laughs> Former Maryland congressman. John Del- I don't know. Who, yeah, he's not in my top. Three. Yeah. Um, okay, here's the thing. I like Kamala Harris a lot, and she has been my front runner for the most part. Um, with that said, I have been doing a ton of reading and research on uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've uh, practiced saying his name over and over and over. I, I am thoroughly impressed with him. Thoroughly, I like his answers to basically everything. There's there's yet to be something that I've thought yeah, i don't know about that man he, he's brilliant he's compassionate he's kind of the opposite of what we have i know that's one of his lines as i'm as far opposite from but he, but he actually is the way he talks about stuff mm-hmm. um he doesn't seem to be too combative which i like i don't I, i'm sick of the fussing and the feuding i'm so sick of it yeah i don't like it i want someone to lead by example rather than leading with their fist I'm just ready for that at yeah. this point. And I, I don't know. He's just so brilliant. And I really, you know, 
the eight languages thing. Well, he kind of real drives there, but I mean, really, like he is. He's just brilliant. Yeah. I mean, learn Norwegian just so he could read a book that was written in Norwegian. <laughs> that sounds contrived. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, you know, he's gay. That would be a, a huge step for this country yeah. if we had a gay president. He he's my my pick at this point. Okay, Heather, do you prefer the beach, the mountains, or Beach Mountain, North Carolina? <laughs> I it depends on my mood and also the time of year. You have to have an answer. Oh. Of course, it depends on the time of the year. That's how people <laughs> go to the beach in the summer and then go to the mountains in the winter. If you had to choose one, I would choose mountain. How about you? What would you choose? That's a great question. I don't know. I'm just <sighs> kidding. Um, yeah, I do love both, but the beach. Yeah, we have such beautiful beaches close to um, where we live. I know. We're four well, four and a half hours away from what I, would I rather... consider to be the most beautiful beaches in the world. I would rather live full-time in the mountains. I'd rather visit the beach. Okay, I'll accept that. Okay. Heather, what's a personal fact that no one would ever guess about you? I can wiggle my ears. Do it. Watch. <laughs> do you see them go up? Uh-huh, yeah. Your face does a thing, too, when you do that. It does. Was that impressive? Oh, yes. Very. Yes. Very impressed. What? <laughs> It's basically me just smiling. It's like, exactly what it is. I, I'm glad you can recognize that because I was going to point that out. You're just smiling. What, what, is your, what is your special talent? Well, that wasn't the question. <laughs> is that just, you're just asking what my special talent is? Well, my special purpose. My parents told me about it. Um, <laughs> I learned how to ride a unicycle. And I did this just oh. for the sake of learning how to ride a unicycle. You're like I don't Pete care. Buttigieg. I don't, um, <laughs> like, I don't ride the unicycle anymore. It just sits there. It's in my house. It, but I wanted to, I felt like it was an impossible thing to do because it's just one wheel. That doesn't make sense how you can sit up on that thing. And so I taught myself to do it. And then once I learned how to do it, I put it away and don't ride it. Did you juggle while you did it? No. <laughs> I can juggle a little bit. You can? <laughs> a little bit. I can't. I learned how to whistle about five years ago. Well, <laughs> you had, I feel like whistling is something that just people can do. Mm-mm. No? I, I learned in my 30s. You had to practice it. I literally made it a New Year's resolution, and I said, I'm learning to whistle this year, and I would go outside. I bet people were ridiculing you, like, hey, that's that girl that can't whistle. What's wrong with her? You know, she can't whistle. She can't whistle. I would go outside and just, I was like, one day it's going to click. And it did. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, David Greiner writes in at Greiner and says, how do we salvage and modernize the Alabama Democratic Party? Um, I think this could go for the National Democratic Party as well, but definitely in Alabama, it is a mess. And I know all about it because I go and runs with Heather and she tells me about it. (laughs) I complain about it. <laughs> well, as you should. What, to explain for people around the world that are listening, uh, what what in the hell is happening with the sure. Democratic Party in Alabama? Because it's a mess. The way that the party works is that you have a chair, you have a vice chair, and the executive committee votes on it. Okay, what is the executive committee? The Democratic Party bylaws state that every state house district will elect a male and a female Democrat to the Democratic Executive Committee. And then those individuals will vote for the chair and the vice chair. The caveat is the ADC, 
What is the ADC? It's the Alabama Democratic Conference. This was formed by consent decree back in the 70s when the current leader of the ADC sued the Democratic Party in Alabama because they had a real uh, void of African-American representation. And so the consent decree was basically, you know, we will allow for this permanent position of the um, minor, the vice chair of minority affairs. And the leader of the ADC has occupied that role. And why is that role important in the Democratic Party? That role, along with the chair, can place at-large executive committee members. In addition to the bylaw stating a man and a, and a woman from each house district must be elected. In addition to that, I think we have like 104 districts. That's in theory, 208 people. They're not always filled because there are many districts out there that just don't have anyone who runs for it. But in addition to that, they will set at large voting members to make up for any disparity between the minority representation and the majority representation here in the state. The problem is that no one knows how they come up with a number of at-large seats to place. And it's left up to two people. And that is the vice chair of minority affairs and the uh, chair. Um, Currently, those two people, the chair of the Democratic Party is Nancy Worley. The uh, minority affairs vice chair is um, Joe Reed. So we had an election last year for a chair and a vice chair. And a a lot of people in the Democratic Party here complained to the DNC that it wasn't a fair election and that there was intimidation tactics going on, uh, stacking this at-large members to vote. Uh, People weren't signing in appropriately. There was uh, questions about who was voting. So a whole mess, and videos and complaints were formally sent to the DNC, and the DNC said, okay, we've reviewed everything. We are requiring the Alabama Democratic Party to hold a new election for a new vice chair and chair. That happened in February, and they required that not only Alabama have a new election but within, in 90 days, but within those 90 days, they have to rewrite the bylaws. Because currently, the bylaws are set up around, and this was written back in the 70s, so the, the current bylaws are written around the predominant minority, which is African American. But the DNC has included, again, the National Democratic uh, Party. Their bylaws include LGBTQ, Native American, Asian Island Pacificer, Hispanic, youth, and people with disabilities. And so the DNC is telling the Alabama's Democratic Party, you need to include that in your understanding of what minorities are in Alabama. And we're not doing that when setting these at-large members. And so there's, you know, a lot of people are frustrated with the power that they think Joe Reed has with the party, that he's putting some of his people in to vote the block that he wants them to vote. A few other concerns is that there isn't an audit of the Democratic Party. In fact, I sat in and observed an executive board meeting. <laughs> there was there was a gentleman who was asking the Democratic Party, he was a member, he was a member of the executive board and said, I want an audit. And basically, Nancy filibustered, the treasurer filibustered and said, nope, we're not going to audit. So we don't have a clear understanding of where the money is. And they even put out a budget to the members that were there that day voting. And it didn't include the, all of the budget. And they were like, well, it's missing a few things where some of the money that we've used on legal fees, it's not included. But here's the budget anyway. We're going to vote on it. So that's frustrating. Am I crazy to think that the answer is just to blow the whole thing up and start fresh? Well, so, okay. So now people are asking, well, what can we do? It is entirely possible 
that the DNC be unhappy with the way that the current situation is being handled. And they come in and essentially they have the authority to pull the charter of the Democratic Party here in the state. They can disband it and they can recreate the party. And potentially what that does is it could take take the teeth out of the power of the um, minority caucus, which Joe Reed represents. I asked someone on the executive committee yesterday uh, what she hopes happens. And she said, I really hope that we just elect a new chair and vice chair. I will say this as a former candidate last year, if you're in a state like Arizona, the, a fully operative Democratic Party does a number of things for candidates. One, they will, they're sort of the central control mission. They will run human resources through the Democratic Party. So if you're hiring, um, so they, they will essentially hire people for their candidates across the state and then put those people into those uh, campaigns so that, you know, each individual candidate isn't running their own payroll, isn't running their own you know, human resources. They also organize sort of at-large communications and marketing role for their entire state. They will operate, get out the vote campaigns. They'll organize canvassing. When you go out and canvass and knock on doors or phone banking, they'll organize all of that for, you know, the greater state and all of their Democratic candidates. We don't have that here in Alabama. There needs to be a Democratic Party at the statewide level that is actively working for their candidates, and we don't have that right now. And that's very frustrating and a big part of, of why a lot of Democrats just don't have a chance of getting elected is because there's no support. That's a long-winded answer. And David Greiner, I hope you appreciated the answer. <laughs> yes, yeah, so David also asked, um, what is the most underappreciated side at a meet-and-three? Are, they, are there any that are underappreciated? I appreciate all of them. I don't know. I mean, I'd almost rather just say... What are my favorite sides? What I usually get, which is yams, I like yams. Really? Sweet potatoes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> fried okra, of course. Duh. The greens. <laughs> I like green stuff. And yeah. Put some hot sauce on it. Oh, always. Um, some some pepper uh, juice, if you will. Oh, that yeah. little thing of pepper, ju- pepper juice. Tabasco, the only time I really eat Tabasco is on greens. Yeah. Tabasco yeah. doesn't have a, a fantastic flavor for me, but I like the heat of it. Mm-hmm. I'm a Frank's hot sauce guy. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So is there an underappreciated meat and three side? I think so. I think boiled cabbage. Is underappreciated? Yeah. Because it's not good. I, I don't think we truly appreciate the complexities of cabbage. It's delicious. No, it's actually good with, with, <laughs> with that pepper sauce. With pepper sauce. What's your biggest pet peeve, Heather? Oh, man. Um, willful ignorance. Mm. What about you? Yeah. Um, ordering extra things at the drive through window. <laughs> you got you to gotta make that order at the at the speaker box thing and be done with it. Well, you don't eat fast food. Not much. But if I'm driving and somebody's ordering, get your order out there. Do not add anything on at the window. I can't do it. Has anyone ever bought your meal or coffee in front of you? I do believe that has happened before. That's happened a cool thing. Time. I always like that. I had that happen once and someone in front of me bought my coffee and I got to the window. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll pay it for it too. And he was like, <laughs> the guy said, you don't want to do that. Their order's $30. <laughs> That's a thing, because yeah. you never know. With yeah. the, it's a van behind you. Uh-uh. <laughs> I know. I was like, thanks, man. Also, slow crosswalkers. I, if you're getting across the street, if you're walking across the street, get over there. Get to that other side. Stop looking at your phone. Stop dilly-dallying. Out of the way. <laughs> right on red is a thing. Out of my way. Will says, do not dilly-dally. Okay, Heather, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or Friendster? Twi- oh, 
I don't know what Friendster is, and I am Twitter all day. Yeah, Friendster was like the first Facebook, and it was very similar to Facebook. I don't know why it didn't last or whatever, but it was before MySpace. Before? Oh, yeah. Oh, did you have a MySpace page? I did not, but I did have a Friendster, <laughs> oddly enough. Weird. Yeah. Um, Instagram, for me, I, I really love it. Yeah. Oh, you're, are you, you're on all that, just at Heather Milam? Yeah. I'm at Will Lockamy and all that stuff. But I don't post on Instagram at that handle. I've got a few handles. People are going to look at pictures of us. Uh, yep. But I don't always want to take a picture. Sometimes I just would like for it to be a word. Also, I like getting into arguments, <laughs> which is good for yes. Twitter. What Twitter's for. <laughs> um, at Michael Smith, MD, Dr. Smith, if you will, writes in and says, hey, there are a bunch of... <laughs> I think this one... Um, People across the country can relate to, but it is specifically about something here in Alabama. It's about the Cahaba River, which, by the way, the Cahaba River in Alabama, if you're unfamiliar, has more fish species in it than the entire state of California. That's is, crazy. Yeah, it really is. Did so, we mention that last week on the episode with Kari Powell? I don't know if it made the final cut, but yeah, hmm. we, we did talk about it in the studio. Okay, there are a bunch of mini dams along the Cahaba River as it runs through Birmingham. What's up with those things? As they don't actually dam up the river, and I don't think they produce electricity, Google can't tell me. All right, well, here's the thing. We got the official answer from the Cahaba River Society. Here it is. Katie's told us this. Um, those dams are mostly purposeless death traps. Oh, no. Uh-huh. They can be very dangerous to boaters and swimmers. Before the Army Corps had any authority or responsibilities for con- controlling such structures, developers installed those low-head dams as amenities to enhance the value of residential development. The dams backed up a pool they thought was very attractive. Developers and builders are generally no longer allowed to do this. Here's some supplemental info. There are five of them. They're all in the upper part of the Kaaba. They're undesirable because they're dangerous, as we said, as they cause recirculating current that can catch humans, animals, and anything else passing over or near them. Good Lord. They also block fish and other aquatic animals from being able to migrate up and down the stream. Boo, thumbs down, says Katie. Uh, and Alabama <laughs> has no dam safety regulation and no dam safety inspectors. Oh. Uh, D-A-M. Yeah. Yeah. But zing. <laughs> Literally. Good. <laughs> yeah. So we just have those things casually strewn around with no one paying attention to them. So there is your official answer, Dr. Michael Smith. Yeah. Thank you, Katie. She does a lot of good work with the Cahaba River Society. No doubt. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? Oh, boy. You know, it was traveling, flying by myself in Europe in college. Oh, yeah. That doesn't sound like something I'd want to do. No, but someone told me, they said, you will be fine because airports worldwide are the easiest places to navigate because they have to, even if you don't speak the language, you've still got to be able to navigate the airport. So you'll be fine. And I remember taking that with me. And I was. I jumped off of a 70-foot cliff once. What? Yeah, terrifying. Um, there's free, a lake in drive? Alabama called um, Lake Martin. Yeah. And Chimney Rock is a place there, and there are two different levels. You can jump off one's about 30 feet and one's about 70. And it's the scariest thing I've ever done. You know, I've jumped out of airplanes um, hundreds and hundreds of times. I used to do that. So I'm not afraid of heights. That's not an issue for me. I enjoy flying. I went to college to fly airplanes. So, But this is a different kind of thing. Did it and, hurt? Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, really, it just hurt my ego more than anything because I... <laughs> got up there and just thought, "Uh uh-oh, I don't want to do this. But there are people watching, and you can't climb back down. The climb up there is so dangerous, you can't climb down, so you got to jump. Really? Oh, yeah. And people have uh, passed away jumping off of that, and there are plaques for those people as you climb up there. Why? Why? 
Why? Why would you do? Why would you do that? Because other boys told me to. They, oh. they said, "I bet you want." And I was like, "Yes, I will." <laughs> it didn't hurt at all. You didn't come. I up wore with... shoes and the whole deal because you yeah you accelerate. You feel yourself accelerating, which is terrifying. Because oh. like jumping off a high dive, even you don't do that. You just like whoa, ding. Yeah. This is like enough time to be like, oh, I'm still falling, still falling, <laughs> and going faster. And ah, that is terrifying. Heather, what was the first concert you ever went to? <laughs> New Kids on the Block. Really? Oh, yeah, at Auburn University. How about you? Stevie Wonder. What? Yep. Stevie Wonder. My second concert was The Monkees with Weird Al Yankovic. Where? Uh, Oak Mountain Amphitheater in Birmingham. No kidding. Yep. Was it good? Well, sure. It was Weird Al opening for The Monkees. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, I thought it was Weird Al doing The Monkees. No, no, no. It was the actual The Monkees. What? Uh-huh. And Weird Al opened up. Then my third concert was Ziggy Marley opening for the B-52s. Was that in Birmingham? Uh-huh. Oak Mountain Amphitheater. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Then a bunch of Tom Petty shows up to that. Sure. Okay, well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. We know everything there is to know about Heather. And we know everything there is to know about Will. No, no, I've got lots of secrets. Do you? Oh, yeah. That's why I can't run for office. <laughs> People don't care. Okay, we'll get back to, like, real topics um, next week, but this was fun. This was fun. We'd like to make it a regular episode. Let us know what you think about uh, answering questions and keep them coming, and we'll continue to answer them. There you go. You can send them in on Twitter, or, you know, people can just find out how to get in touch with us all over the place. It's just at Willockamy, at Heather Milam, at PodSouth.